0: Futures trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Opinions and statements of guests not affiliated with Everag are their own and do not reflect the views of Everag. The accuracy of their statements cannot be guaranteed by Everag. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week, we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of the markets. Today is Tuesday, January 10th. March 23 corn is trading 6.52 even, down three quarters of a cent, while March 23 soybeans are off 11 cents, trading 14.77 and a half. Packers aren't in the playoffs. What more can we say? It's going to be a long, cold January in Wisconsin. Turning to our guest, this week it's our privilege to have Aaron Ball. Executive Director with the Grain Foods Foundation. Thanks for joining us this morning, Erin.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, Brett.
0: Erin, our listeners may not be familiar with the Grain Foods Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization, your mission, and what you folks do? Yes, of course, me too.
1: So Grain Foods
0: Foundation
1: was formed in 2004. The baking and milling industries together Looked around and really saw, sort of read the tea leaves, I would say, as they saw the Adkins diet and diets like Adkins really gaining steam. A lot of folks were interested in losing weight and losing weight quickly. Low carb was new and trendy. And the bakers and millers, from a true belief in the goodness of their products and the importance of those foods in the American diet, decided to join together and fund what then became the Green Foods Foundation. We kicked off, I wasn't at the foundation at that time, but we kicked off in Times Square with folks wearing bread costumes, literally handing out I Love Bread stickers to folks in New York City and really launched from there um, a partnership effort that continues to this day. Um, The mission and work have certainly evolved, but the momentum around uh, the products that our bakers and Millers really believe
0: in continues. So you mentioned you know bakers and Millers, and certainly there's an immediate impact that these types of diets would have if we're you know widely adapted. But how do you, or what part do US grain growers play in your your work? We have great
1: relationships with growers and really love and lean into those partnerships. Because growers, as well as uh, millers and then manufacturers, all have an interest, not only um, in sales of these breadbasket products, but also in public perception of the products and the way we understand what they mean in the diet. Um, We work closely with growers, but I would say we do different work, parallel or side-by-side work. Um, I work with National uh, Association of Wheat Growers, National Wheat Foundation. We talk a lot about research that um, growers are interested in funding, the questions they would like answered about those commodities they're growing. Um, A lot of that, as you all know, and as I'm sure your listeners know, become questions about soil science, about how to make a more nutritious product really in the field. And then we take that, of course, bit further in looking at milling and nutrition around the flour that is the product of that process. And then even further um, at the nutrition science around baked and manufactured grain food. So I would say we're very friendly with growers. We share a lot of information. We actually sent one of our scientific advisors at late in 2022 to the National Wheat Foundation meeting um, as a speaker to provide sort of the expert perspective, bring those folks up to speed on his latest work, which at that meeting, he spoke about refined grains and type 2 diabetes risk and cardiovascular disease risk. So I would say we're very friendly with growers, but definitely working in a supportive way alongside each other, but a little bit on different things, I would say
0: you just mentioned some nutritional components to grains. And certainly, there are a lot of nutritional benefits of grains. With the new year comes plenty of resolutions. Right at the top of the list is always, I'm going to lose weight, right? And so before, you know, listeners or, or people change up their diets too much, what are some of the nutritional benefits that y'all have focused on when it comes to grains in the diet?
1: Sure. Um, there are many, as you all know. We consider January to be diet season. So these talking points are top of mind for us. This is what we're really working on in terms of our public-facing messages, our public relations efforts, media, digital is talking about these very questions. You know, people generally get 30 to 50% of their daily calories from carbohydrates and most of those really from green foods. And so it's a big category in the diet. And I think that's partly why people go there when they wanna lose weight. Let me deal with this biggest category. But what we remind people, and especially in light of inflation issues and folks' financial pressures within households, Grain foods are a really cost-conscious way to feed your family with nutrient density. Grain foods are adopted and really staples across many cultural subgroups in our country. And the nutrients that grain foods themselves bring, you know, enriched grain foods bring B vitamins, iron, folic acid, whole grain foods, fiber, other micronutrients, um, we're still understanding some of the benefits of those phytonutrients in whole grain foods. And, you know, rarely do you eat a grain food on its own. You're often partnering that food with a fruit or a vegetable, or we hope a lean or or nutrient-dense protein choice. And so, you know, we think Folks think of grain foods first in terms of what to cut to help them perhaps lose weight quickly because it's a big category in the diet. We would say instead of looking at those staple foods that are providing nutrients and that are vehicles for a lot of other food groups in the diet, maybe think about USDA, my plate recommends six servings of grains a day and making half of those whole. So three servings would be refined enriched grain foods, three servings would be whole grain foods. Folks probably eat, many folks probably eat closer to seven, eight, and nine servings of grain a day. So maybe thinking about how much you're eating, but not cutting out the category. Additionally, when folks cut out grain foods, and we've seen this, the research actually around this is starting to be published, um, particularly when folks have followed low-carb diets. We've seen in women of childbearing age, an increase in the incidence of neural tube defects, because they're not getting folic acid through enriched grain foods, that's a, a sad and unintended consequence of, of efforts to lose weight with a low carb diet. When you cut out grain foods, you're really cutting out a lot of the nutrients that a diet is really built on. B vitamins are energy vitamins. You know, iron is essential as well. And we're actually very concerned about the folic acid issue and women of childbearing age missing out on that because they're doing these low-carb diets. We work with a scientific advisory board, so 10 experts, they're MDs, registered dietitians, PhDs, and they really lean into the idea of all foods fit, but probably moderation, which is a really unsexy concept, I understand that, but moderation And really eating a variety of foods, but in moderation, is the best course. And no one wants to hear that, especially not in January season. I don't even want to hear that. But rather than cutting out any one food group, it's really better to eat a little bit, probably, of everything.
0: Good advice, no doubt. Moderation is something we hear often, but for whatever reason, can can be a bit difficult in practice. It's a farm bill year. And I'm curious, does your organization work with lawmakers at all on any grain or nutrient-related policies? We know that really nutrition is a very big part of of the Farm Bill. And so I'm curious if there's anything y'all are working on there.
1: So in terms of Farm Bill, we watch very closely, but it's not um, a direct point of engagement for GFF. Part of our mandate is that we actually are not lobbyists, and so there is a world where one can advocate but not lobby, and sometimes advocacy and lobbying do overlap. However, the the places where we really lean in on public policy, one is the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, which is an every-five-year project that USDA and HHS together manage it's a place where we really can lean in with our research. Not only the Library of Research GFF has funded, but also our understanding of the larger body of scientific evidence around grain foods, nutrition. The new round, so the dietary guidelines are sort of a five-year project. So right now we're living out the 20 to 25 guidelines. And next month, the effort towards the 2025 to 2030 guidelines kicks off with uh, the first public meeting. And so that's where GFF engages. We're putting forward our science, always leading with a science-based message, putting that forward in written comments and when opportunity in-person oral comments to the committee. We work on that every five years. We are better positioned this year than we've ever been to, I think, write really targeted laser-focused comments around the essential nature of green foods in the diet, leading into the USDA messages, really around nutrient density health equity and cost consciousness apart from the dietary guidelines effort right now we're also watching closely and engaging with fda's work on a healthy a definition of healthy ultimately to land on food labels that too will be a long process we're certainly three plus years out from seeing the actual definition or icon on labels But it's really of huge interest to Miller's and grain foods manufacturers because the nuances of this definition could have huge impact on their products, which are actually healthy and, again, essential staples in the diet. But it it really matters how FDA defines healthy. And, And we do have some concerns at this point and are certainly watching closely and weighing in, given the opportunity.
0: Wonderful. Well, we certainly appreciate the work that you and your team are doing in a roundabout way on behalf of producers who produce grain food products. It's important that we make sure the messaging is right and that we have an eager and engaged consumer. And so uh, your team is doing a great job in that part. Erin, it was a pleasure chatting with you today. I know I learned a lot. I think our listeners did as well. Thank you for your time. If listeners want to learn more about the Grain Foods Foundation, where can they go to do so? So
1: we live online at www.grainfoodsfoundation.org. You can meet our scientific advisors on the site. We keep a library of not only research we've funded, but other studies that we see as important for grain foods, nutrition, understanding, and policy even lots of recipes, many of them partner recipes from some of our manufacturer investors, and they are delicious and beautiful. Um, But that's kind of where we live. We also are out on socials. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, kind of living in the places that a lot of food folks are living right now. But we would love to see your listeners join us in those places. And thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to chat with you today, Britt.
0: Likewise, Aaron. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend, or give us a review. Thank you to Corey Romero, our wonderful producer, and Paige Driscoll for her magical mixing and mastering skills on today's show.